Hello, my podcast friends. Thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate you listening. I'm Adam Steiner, and this is the podcast Builder versus Buyer. We are on to episode nine, the ultimate lot selection checklist, the subdivision edition. So we're building on a couple of things that we talked about on the last podcast. I would suggest go back and listen to that one. That was focusing on raw land. This one today will be focusing on if you're looking at a lot within a subdivision. And I mentioned at the end of the last podcast, but I mentioned here as well, there's a couple of checklists I've posted just to be helpful when you're looking for these pieces of land so you can remember this information quickly and the websites that I mentioned. Um, go to burnhamdesign.com resources. Checklists, a couple PDFs, completely free, not even asking for your email, just to help you guys out. Um, so let's dive right into it. Uh, land within a subdivision. First off, how to find, really similar to raw land um, that you'd see elsewhere. Obviously, you can look on the MLS, contact a realtor. Um, I've noticed a lot of times builders may only list a couple or, or developers. Builders or developers may only list a couple or a handful of lots within their subdivision. So if you see one or two and you know that that subdivision was just developed, odds are most of them are probably for sale. I would either contact your realtor for more information or go straight to the developer. They might um, have some helpful information there as well. Um, this leads me to driving around is really helpful. It, it blows my mind that developers literally spend millions of dollars developing a subdivision and very, very little of that ever goes toward marketing. So um, the websites, the, um, little free things like adding the subdivision to Google maps don't always happen. So it is just kind of helpful to drive around. If you know something's getting developed, go, but you guys know that go poke your head out there and see what's going on. Um, and then also the GIS viewer that I mentioned in the last podcast can be very, very helpful to, uh, find a specific parcel within a subdivision. Okay, what to look for. When you found that lot, everything looks great and you're ready to move ahead. Things I would check before signing that purchase agreement. Um, first and foremost, uh, this um, unique to subdivisions is most every subdivision will have a set of covenants. Um, a lot of people are familiar with them, but just in the fact that you needed to sign one one time when you bought your house and didn't really look at them or read them, there's some really important information in there. And covenants are weird in that... I've seen the whole gamut of subdivisions that have a set of covenants and no one is looking at them. No one cares. They're basically reformed in the seventies or eighties and it's basically do or build whatever you want. It doesn't matter if they're just there. Uh, no one's enforcing those on the flip side. I've seen covenants that are, 50 to 100 page binders. Um, the development won't even accept our drawing to review if we don't follow the checklist that they put forth within those covenants. If it doesn't match exactly, they'll deny the application. Um, so there, there are communities out there that are very, very particular about the covenants and some that are very, very not. So what I'd say is when you're reading your covenants, assume they're in force. It's just safer for you and be pleasantly surprised later. Um, if a sales agent is telling you, yeah, of course you can build a fence, but the covenants say, no, you can't go with the covenants until you get something in writing from the proper um, authority in this case. Um, and then a couple of areas I like to specifically check 
Most set of sets of covenants will have a square footage requirement. Um, common misconception I see, they rarely ever allow for basement area to be included in that square footage. So typically it's gotta be above grade, um, main floor and second floor if you're building one. Um, and then they will always have, not always, but most of the time have a series of architectural requirements. Uh, back when I worked in Indiana, the key one was a masonry percentage. Um, of this front elevation, X percent needs to be masonry, not siding or shake or board and batten or anything. Um, that is funny to me. It's very, very gray. Do you include windows in that calculation? Do you include things like brackets and doors and shutters? I don't know. Um, but the, the goal here is they don't want a cheap house built in their subdivision. Um, up here where I'm designing in Minnesota, most of the subdivisions I see there's a list of 20 or 30 things like decorative gables, um, window grids, decorative columns, brackets, things like that are on the list. And you have to hit six or 10 of the following 20 or 30 things to be approved architecturally for this community. The last thing I would check is your subdivision dues. Um, those do, do and can change over time, um, but there should be something listed about what they are and how they change within your covenants. Um, okay, so on to buildable area. So with a subdivision, you don't need a survey yet because a subdivision should already have a recorded plat. So the plat is the lot lines and subdivision lines as they've been subdivided along with the dedicated roadways. Um, so this plat should have building lines on it and it should have any and all easements on it. Um, super, super helpful. So you don't need a subdivision, right? You don't need to, sorry, excuse me. You don't need a survey right away to know whether or not your home fits. Another thing back to the covenants, some covenants will have additional setback requirements and then your city or county will have its own setback requirements. So if, if the covenants and the city setback requirements differ, you usually have to go with whichever one is more stringent. Um, just something to note there and also to check. Okay, so you found that the home fits. Now we need to know, will it drain? And here's another advantage of the subdivision is there's been more planning and engineering done into this aspect. So to find out, will it drain? Most subdivisions, most cities require a grading plan. So the developer will hire an engineer and they will work along with the city planning department. Um, to develop this grading plan. And the goal here is proper water drainage through the whole community so that it conforms to the city's master plan. The water is going into the proper waterways and watersheds that they intended on. Um, and then the subdivision will be required to absorb some water in retention and detention um, to help the city um, not have to treat and absorb so much water into their sewer system. Um, so the thing with the grading plan is it will set the elevation for every house in the subdivision. It will also define um, whether or not the lot will be a walkout lot, a lookout lot, is it a flat lot? Um, so the developer's engineer works with the city to set the elevations here. Um, this is something I really, really want to see before I purchase a lot because 
it depends on your city, but you are in some way locked into this. I've seen some cities are more flexible than others. They'll allow builders to vary a foot or two from this document. Other cities don't want the liability at all. Our, your engineer stamped it and our city approved it. So me as the building commissioner, I'm not going to allow any variance from the grading plan. Some cities could say that to you. So I would just say, get the grading plan and confirm with a professional that you know, if you want a walkout lot, make sure it's on the grading plan and noted as such. Um, if you want a flat lot, same thing. Um, if you are looking for a walkout lot and the grading plan has a flat lot or something else on there, this is a red flag time to ask some questions. Um, it's probably not the best case scenario. It's, it's possible, but, um, you need to get a professional involved and figure all that out. And then I mentioned, took a bit of time last episode talking about wetlands. Um, here's another benefit of building in a subdivision is in theory, these wetlands should already be delineated. Um, so it's possible they're on your property and should be noted on the subdivision plat and grading plan. Um, uh, again, safe assumption is to assume you can't do anything with those wetlands. They should remain as is. Um, and the, your lawn, you can't put a lawn over those. There, there are exceptions and workarounds and all this stuff. You can buy wetland credits, um, really gets into a lot of work and effort. I would just personally assume, find out if there are wetlands on your property through a plat and then personally assume if there are that you can't do anything with those. Okay. And that leads me into another plan you'll see here in subdivisions. If you're buying a lot, I don't necessarily need to see this if I'm buying a lot, but you might come across it is the utility plan. So this is an engineering document that shows all the in-ground utility locates where the gas lines are, where the water lines are. Um, as the subdivision is getting developed, they will usually mark those locations. Either they'll cut the curb or spray paint on the road or curb um, where those are going in. So it's helpful when you're designing a home to know which side of the house those utilities will be on to put a place for them in your basement or your garage. Um, but usually you can find a workaround there. Um, the confusion I see is these plans will have a very rough early topo, usually with aerial photography, something called LIDAR. Um, this is not the same thing as a grading plan. So both of both the grading plan and utility plan have topography on them. Um, the grading plan is much more specific and what the city will want to see you hold to. The utility plan might have some and will show that there's a hill here or your lot is falling, but it will not be the full detail that you need to determine whether or not it's a flat lot or a walkout lot. A couple little minor things to note here before I wrap up. Um, the plat and or grading plan should show you whether or not you'll have sidewalks um, on the public right away near your property and whether or not your road, you'll actually need the um, engineering documents for this, but whether or not your road will have curbs or it will be a natural asphalt runoff, all that information is there. Some people um, really care about that, want to know. So it's, it's helpful to um, find that out. Um, also, your subdivision might still need well and or septic. Typically, I find that this is um, 
a subdivision that's outside of city limits, so something that's been subdivided through your county, we'll usually see that. Um, and then lastly, I'll say if the subdivision process isn't complete through the city or county, so if, if your developer is still working on a subdivision plat, if they're still working on a grading plan, like these haven't been recorded and approved, um, that's the phrase you're looking for is recorded. So it could still be a while. So if you're searching for land, talking to a developer and or realtor, they're saying, hey, we have this parcel, it'll be ready. And I, w- I would just... Again, red flag time. Be wary of any any concrete date you're getting if the plat and our grading plan aren't recorded yet. Okay, I think that's it for today. Um, any your comments or questions, please let me know. Um, you can contact me on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Um, Burnham Design Co. B I R N A M Design Co. or Adam Steiner. Um, yeah, reach out. Let me know what you think. And um, as always, thanks to Andrew Michael Metter for the music. Tune back in on Thursday for more.